RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Welcome to our weeks-long journey to a happy place called The Farm. In the meantime, we are taking on nightmarish monsters and half-humans. It's 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern on Monday night. That means it's time for Mission Log Live. I'm Ashley Victoria Robinson. And I'm John Champion. You found us right here, right now, live on the internet. This is the show where we ask you, our Star Trek pals, what you think about New Trek. This week, we are six episodes into Lower Decks, which, with <laughs> with much ado about Boimler. Click on the Zoom meeting link, use the one tap from your smartphone, or give us a call at 669-900-6833, and make sure you enter the meeting code and the password. How about living at your days on a peaceful resort planet? How about running from a giant space jellyfish? Exploring the galaxy has its perks and its downsides. You can join us tonight. Let us know what your thoughts are. And while you're at it, make sure you click like and share. The more the merrier, the more amazing Trekkies come here. The more the merrier and the more the mariner. Ah, very good. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of the more the merrier, so many people in the chat already. They, they, they get in there early. I love to see that because I'm kind of taking a peek in there before we go live. So shout out here to uh, Chris Riker, first at the bat, saying, like, you're, you're really on at 6.50? Well, yeah, we got to let that pre-roll go. So, Chris, <laughs> welcome. Willie McCauley, good to see you. Narda, good day, guys. Excellent to see you, Narda, calling in from Australia, typing in Ooh. from Australia. There's Tracy Coco. Uh, love you, Tracy Coco, Lieutenant J herself. There is, uh, let's see here, there, there's Evelyn, there's Dave, there's Peter, there's Paul. Uh, uh, so many, I'm sure more Pauls to come later. There's Scott Palm. What's up, Scott, my friend? There's Michael. Uh, Michael even says, hello, everyone, but wave to Ashley. So Hi. you got a, you got a, a wave right there. <laughs> uh, there's Dominic. Um, oh, Dominic, a shout out to a uh, partner show on Roddenberry. It says, Today's Women at Warp was rad. Nice. So everybody check out Today's Women at Warp show. Uh, that show drops on uh, Mondays. There's Dave Takechi and, uh, gosh, John Arminio and uh, Tate and Lou and uh, just a little bit of everybody. So Glad to see you, and um, yeah, I hope we have a, a lovely chat tonight, all of I th- us. I thought we were getting a Peter, Paul, and Mary joke there for a minute. I, we were going to get very <laughs> close, I, either uh, something very biblical or a folk group. One of Truly. those will, will <laughs> land on somewhere. So yeah, uh, but anyway, great to, uh, great to see you all. Thank you for joining us as you do. Um, just a little bit of business to take care of right at the top of the show. Uh, one thing to announce, obviously you know we continue with this through the end of lower decks maybe some special lower decks things in the works that i can't talk about publicly yet but uh we might be excited about them so (laughs) stay tuned for that some supplementals coming your way and um next week so september the 29th that'll be on a tuesday uh rod and i will be hanging out in sansar sansar sansar.com at 6 p.m normally we do seven o'clock but 6 p.m that night it is our post-game. Uh, that's where we'll announce the winners of the Roddenberry recovery mission. But honestly, it's it's an excuse to just hang out. So come come hang out in VR or in desktop mode. Uh, accounts are free. And it's weird. You, you see, like, you know, I think Rod and I... No, wait. Rod is, still has his alien guys. I, I'm pretty much human-looking. Um, <laughs> and I found the closest thing to a suit that I could find. Uh, but then you see people in VR, it's like, it's a robot or a giant pickle with human eyes or like <laughs> things. You know, question for you, Ashley. Now, hmm. I, I don't know if you've done any VR. Have I have not because I'm afraid it's going to make me nauseous. <laughs> and there's a very good chance it will. But, but uh, the question is this, if and when, because there will be a when. There will definitely and, be a when. Yeah, yeah. When you go into VR someday, are you the kind of person who would try to craft your avatar to look like you or you just go completely the opposite direction and you'd be like, uh, say, an anthropomorphized toothbrush or something <laughs> around. So if I were in the position that you're in where you are showing up to be 
John Champion. You're kind of a little boss man behind the scavenger hunt. I would totally try to present as close to a me avatar as I could make. But if I were playing just as a fan, just as somebody there to engage with the material, I mean, if there was a chance to be an anthropomorphized cat, I would Mm. be all down for that for sure. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That's good. Okay. Well, hey, I'm glad that you mentioned anthropomorphized pets because... That leads us right to our poll question. Uh, if you'd like to do the honors there. Now, okay, the, the polling thing, and thank you so much. Uh, 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 the name escapes me just for a second. It'll but come back. Um, we had a listener who wrote in and was like, I know how you can get polls back on Facebook. And he and I worked on it so long, no dice. It just does not work right now from a page. Uh, of course, Mission Log has a page, not a group, and mm-hmm. it's not an individual they just don't work. So this week I thought, okay, let's just do something on Twitter. We'll leave it up for five days. People have already started to reply, uh, but we wanted to theme it out to this week's show. So Ashley, if you would do the honors. This week we are asking the most important question I think we've asked in my tenure on Mission Log, which Mm -hmm. is what is Star Trek's most disturbing dog? And shockingly, there are way more options than the one that we selected for the poll. I would really pick three, but yeah, mm-hmm. they, there could be many more. Yeah, Especially when you get into like Vulcan pets or Klingon pets. Like there could have been mm-hmm. a lot of scary options. But so we went with Tendi's Lovecraftian Nightmare Dog. I love that. A plus writing. Uh, Aquiel's Weird Jello Dog or the dog in the uniform costume. That's such a sweet, deep cut. <laughs> so, I, you know, it, I don't think it's so much about the disturbing nature of the dog in the unicorn costume. It's mm-hmm. more like the, uh, it, it's more like it's just the indignity of yes. the dog in the unicorn <laughs> costume. Really, yeah. that's what it's about, right? But yeah. that dog is iconic and will live in pop culture forever, so... Maybe it balances itself out in the end, but it's so interesting that we're talking about Unicorn Dog because they are currently on the leaderboard. They are leading it for most disturbing dog in Star Trek. Yeah, that's it it kind of surprises me. But again, I think people are just disturbed by how disturbed that animal feels in all of those scenes. Absolutely. 100%. Because like Tendi's dog is disturbing, but apparently has a great attitude. She seems happy, yeah. She doesn't seem too distressed by <laughs> anything about her existence or the fact that she has to travel to the farm and goes through a lot of harrowing experiences to finally land there. Yeah, she's a good sport about it. Right, right. Not not mean about, like, like these are my powers. I can mm-hmm. open my neck and uh, uh, Cyclops bats fly out of my neck. But that like that's not used <laughs> as a weapon or anything. Yeah, she, she doesn't bite anyone at any point. No. I mean, no. she's arguably better behaved than Aquiel's dog that we also included in the poll. Yes. And, <laughs> and we included that because this Aquiel uh, is terrible. Yes. So, but an all-time yeah. great Star Trek name, I think. A really beautiful name. It is. It is. Uh, by the way, Narda says, uh, oh, I love the little unicorn dog. How can you not? By the way, if anybody has made a, uh, a, a unicorn dog costume, I would love to see that in a cosplay. <sighs> Yes, right. Please share it with us. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and then uh, let's see. Oh, oh, now Dominic says the puppies. So we're going to talk about the puppies. Alan says, I voted Jello Dog. Uh, you are not wrong, Alan. And uh, <laughs> my favorite here, Michael and, and uh, Earl actually put it in the promo for tonight's show, Dog Cube. And I am so... I love Dog Cube so much. That is a cosplay I want to see. Like, Ashley, you've seen <laughs> it where uh, somebody had like a little remote controlled Horda. Yes. Where, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so now I, 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 somebody needs to come up with a way just to see that like clunk, clunk, clunk going oh down gosh. the hallway in a hotel. That's, That's so much work, friends. If you do is. that, please it make is. sure someone, someone amongst us has to get that to CBS and get you hired because that yes. will be some... Tricky craftsmanship, for sure. Yes, but uh, where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Uh, I tell you what, I know that we already have people standing by calling, so why don't I give us a quick recap? Please do. uh, You and our listeners, they can formulate their thoughts, and we'll we'll have a conversation about Boimler and Much Ado and The Farm and Dog Cube. Nice. All right. Here we go. Late night, and everyone in the lower decks is beat from a long shift. 
Tendi is full of excitement, though, showing off her genetic creation, a dog, just a normal, everyday, sweet, lovable dog that she adjusted to make just a tiny bit smarter. Nobody is impressed until Tendi steps away for a minute when the dog reveals it has all kinds of genetic modifications that make it a terrifying John Carpenter-esque hell beast. Catching up with the senior staff, Freeman, Ransom, and Shax are assigned to a high-level, ultra-sensitive mission to bring a sapling to the Pacipian agricultural colony, so they'll be away for a while. That means it's substitute captain time, which should be fine, except that the next mission will take the Cerritos to a bog planet. And anyway, while Boimler is excited about showing off for a new crew, Mariner is dreading it. Rutherford is doing tech stuff, trying to improve transporter efficiency when Boimler happens in, and it's perfect timing because he can volunteer to see if Rutherford's enhancements have been successful. They have. The transporter is faster, but the only downside is that it leaves Boimler a little out of phase, like he's glowing and translucent and has that transporter sound emanating from his body. Too bad, though, because he's got to go up to the bridge to meet the new crew, only he's a huge distraction and is ordered by the new captain to sickbay. Dr. Tiana can't do anything with him, but Rutherford does manage to subside the sound effect coming off his body. Boimler will have to go away to The Farm, a spa-like facility run by Starfleet's Division 14, where all scientific mysteries go. Oh, and Tendi's dog needs to go there, too. Not that Tendi has seen anything abnormal about the dog, named The Dog, about that <laughs> new substitute captain, Ramsey. Turns out she's practically besties with Mariner. They went to the academy together. Only Ramsey has really ascended the ranks. These two have got a good rapport, and Ramsey needs Mariner's insights, which means, well, she's making Mariner her first officer. When they beam down to the bog planet, it's a bog, literally. Hip waders required when Ramsey's crew beam down to clear a water filtration device. Mariner has already put off Ramsey's team, though, by being a bit of a cut-up, and she loses more points when she reveals she forgot to beam down their tricorders right at a critical moment. Fortunately, some quick thinking by the others saves the day. Returning to the Cerritos, and after a check-in from Captain Freeman, it's time to rendezvous with the Rubido. And again, Mariner somehow screws it up, setting off an alert when she just needed to run a long-range scan. Maybe she's not first officer material. Regardless, she's still part of Ramsey's team, and when they arrive at the Rubido's last coordinates... They find a heavily damaged starship with no power. Ramsey takes her team. Again, Mariner screws up by bouncing all over in her magnetic boots. Still, while the others try to get the ship's systems back online, Ramsey and Mariner find the crew huddled up in a cargo hold and terrified of the thing that has taken over the ship surrounding them. Boimler and Tendi are picked up by the Division 14 medical ship, Captain by an Adosian with a sinister demeanor. They're introduced to the rest of his charges on the way to the farm. There's the uh, detached head guy, there's transporter accident duo, there's salamander guy, and the spokesman of the group, the ensign who is half rapid aging and half aging in reverse. All of them are Starfleet rejects too disturbing to continue serving alongside normal crews. The sinking feeling Boimler and Tendi feel get worse when they hear that there is no farm. All these castoffs have just been traveling for months with no end in sight. But they see an opportunity tonight during a shift change. They will mutiny, which is exactly what Boimler tells the infuriated Dozian. And you can bet that he puts an end to it before it can even begin. What's worse, he rats out the rat turning everyone else on board against Boimler. On the Rubido, Captain Dayton and the rest of her crew are terrified. The thing that has practically consumed their ship feeds off electricity, and it's too late when Ramsey's crew restore power. It grows. It starts breaking apart floors and bulkheads, and the people panic. Ramsey and Mariner do what they can to get everyone to the bridge where they beamed in, and when Captain Dayton panics, Mariner steps up, punches her, and rallies the rest. It's a big change for the screw-up that she's been all along. 
And speaking as a close friend, Ramsey wants to know now what gives. Mariner was doing it on purpose. She didn't want Ramsey to come along and offer a position of more responsibility on her own ship, the Oakland. And now here's Ramsey in a position of power, no fun anymore in Mariner's book, but they'll have to put that beside them for the time being so they can save the Rubido crew from the utter destruction around them. Speaking of chaos and destruction, the Starfleet medical cases who have turned on Boimler chase him to an airlock where they are perfectly ready to eject him to his death in space. He's even more terrified when the transporter effects suddenly wear off and he finds himself perfectly normal again, abhorrent to the freaks who have chased him away. When the airlock opens, though, Boimler finds that he falls into the soft grass of an idyllic world. It's the farm, for real, and it's amazing. All these challenged cases, all these Starfleet personnel are tended to, made comfortable, and the Edosian who got them there admits that he probably should have made the trip a little less creepy. Maybe they talk it out next time before he has a mutiny on his hands. Tendi says goodbye to the dog, who apparently speaks and flies all things Tendi thought dogs could do anyway, which is super awkward, and Boimler clues her in that they definitely can't. So the odd ones out of the farm now are Boimler and Tendi, who need to get back to the Cerritos, even if unwillingly, because Boimler could get used to this treatment of the freaks. As a rubido is consumed around them, Ramsey's crew hurry to her bridge when Mariner calls Rutherford to use his supercharged transporter. The speed is just what they need as he beams all of them back to the Cerritos as a Rubido is completely devoured. But what destroyed the ship wasn't malicious. It was an alien life form. One might even say a space jellyfish kind of thing that just was using the resources near it to grow. And now that it has, it flies off into space looking for a home. Before Ramsey and Mariner part ways, the offer comes up again to take a higher rank on the Oakland. Mariner says she wants to stick around the Cerritos, though, to figure out some stuff, to figure herself out before she knows if climbing the ranks is what she wants. When Ransom spots these two in the bar, he tries to make a slick move, buddying up to Ramsey, who quickly and easily flips him over her shoulder and into a table. The end. I'm, I'm going to congratulate myself with this. Cheers. <laughs> mm. Cheers to you. Yes, well, uh, folks, I, I'm at home, so I'm not endangering myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh, my gosh. So other than Cube Dog, first of all, I love the whole I love the whole conceit that you can just have an evil laugh. And just like, <laughs> like, 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 that's your thing. Like, like, no, it's not evil. That's just the way I laugh. That's just how I am. <laughs> he is so great. Uh, he and pretty much everybody on his ship is an Easter egg as well, which is so much fun. Like yes. M. Willis, who wrote this episode, clearly did her homework because this is just like stacked with references to every different series. And I hope this is a doctor. I hope we see him again. Or I hope we see him in season two. He was a good uh -huh. time. Like, and yes. Everything, yes. everything in this episode I thought was pretty fun. And when you start with a dog, I mean, what mm -hmm. more could you, what more could a girl want, John? What more could I want? <laughs> and you know what? I, I have to say that, like, I think that in these six episodes, the um, the pacing has gotten better, where mm -hmm. it's not just throw stuff in your face all the time. They actually allow these little valleys where things can chill a little bit. Um, and I feel like they did now what I've wanted all along, which is don't tell me the joke by giving me a list. Show me the joke. Mm -hmm. By just letting the camera linger in a room, like, there's the salamander guy. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's three people in the wheelchairs that just beep, <laughs> you know? There's two Vicks for all intents and purposes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So stuff like that really, I thought, worked very well. Um, any other favorite? Uh, I mean, there are many, but uh, another favorite Easter egg, another favorite reference you want to throw out? Oh, man. I mean, the Pike one is the one that went like straight to my heart because I've always yes. thought Pike was so cool. Um, my favorite thing that might not be a reference, but probably is, is where I said uh, uh, Millicochran, that that was a oh, form right. of measurement. And I was like, mm -hmm. Zevram Cochran, because uh, First Contact is my favorite Trek movie. So nice. every time we get a reference back to it, I'm like, yay! 
Nick. Very good. Very. Bye, hey, Nick. by the way, if that is your favorite Trek movie, how do you feel from the original series about Metamorphosis, where we were introduced to Sephram Cochran? Like, I like their cognitive dissonance there. Two I mean, characters. Or? Yes, okay. <laughs> there definitely is. I like Metamorphosis. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't say it's my favorite of the TOS episodes, but yeah. First Contact, just because it's a movie, because it was. 20 30 years later i can't do math i'm really sorry uh they yeah, just had so much yeah. more yeah it was a, yeah. it was some time later they just had yeah. so much more to work with and you know uh james cromwell is like an all-time great actor so yeah yeah what are you going to do you know how do you can't i don't know if you can do better than uh, that'll do pig he's just so good, <laughs> he's so good. there were a couple all right so there, there were a lot of you know, obvious references. There were a lot of very subtle references. Mm -hmm. I want somebody out there who is better at this than I am, who is better at picking out, you know, really uh, small minutia, you know, somebody like uh, Aaron Harvey, who is, uh, you know, kind of the expert on Star Trek animated series. There is a tiny, tiny bit, and I might've just been hearing things, but when Boimler tells the Adosian about the upcoming uh, mutiny, Mm -hmm. the Adosian goes to the weapons locker because every ship has them everywhere and he pulls that phaser rifle off the wall when he does that it sort of powers up and it makes a sound that I swear is a sound effect that had been used on like 1970s filmation cartoons or something like it and I, I don't know specifically what it is but I heard it and I was like that has to be something from an archive it has to be something somebody writing the show grew up hearing and they were like, put that there. Somebody knows the answer to that. I was like, what is the other, the other like deep reference that I thought was like the Rulat seas, which I, as a DS9 fan, I was like, cool, Cardassians, yay. Right, right, yeah. Well, and I love them training like uh, Picard and Crusher, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, that just with the black ninja suits and uh, that yes. was great. And look, the whole bit, the whole bit on um, uh, on the Adosian ship, on that, uh, uh, you know, Section 14 ship, Department 14 ship, was Todd Browning's Freaks from 1932. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, one of us, one of us. <laughs> so uh, I, I love just so much. You can tell the, the references pouring in. Um, let us bring in our first caller. Yes, uh, let's. Yeah, always a pleasure to see you, Chris. Thank you for waiting. Thank you for indulging us to get out some of our uh, uh, immediate reactions to the show. Tell us, what did you uh, love or maybe what drove you crazy in this episode? Talk to us. Uh, yeah, no, we're still, we're still doing good here. Uh, again, uh, the Mariner plot is just wonderful. Um, the, I wasn't super enthused with the freak thing. I mean, I liked the sort of like details, but like as a story, mm -hmm. I was just like, eh, that's all right. There are other B plots that I've liked more mm -hmm. this season. Mm -hmm. uh, I will say I'm very glad I like the Lemonhead guy who I'm almost positive <laughs> is from Rick and Morty. I I, yeah, okay, I was wondering Show about that. It, it is, God. Yes, yes, yes. Get yes, so yes. yes, yeah, yes. So that's like, congratulations to Rick and Morty, by the way, on their recent Emmy win. Hopefully oh, right, this time it. next year, we'll be saying that about Lower Decks. <laughs> Wait, they got an Emmy, uh, what, for writing or? Uh, I'm going to be honest. Animated I, something, I think it was I best forget, yeah. animated series, or maybe it was just for the episode, but cool. uh, okay. Mike was tweeting about it. So I was like, yay, good for Rick and Morty. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, what else? Like, By the way, Chris, are, are you in a duty-free store tonight? Or, uh, this is the uh, jewelry shop from Uncut Gems. Yeah. The Adam Sandler movie from last Christmas. So, yeah. Nice. That nice. movie's great for anyone who hasn't seen oh, no. it. And, mm. and, you know, podcasting famously uh, a visual medium, but <laughs> highly recommend. <laughs> uh, yeah, like Lemonhead Guy. I don't know what he's a reference to or if he is, but there's a guy who's just a, like a dude, but he has a duck bill. Um, I'm a big fan of him. He's in the background in one of the shots. I'm like, let's get his story. I want to know. <laughs> he's literally just, he's all the same, except he has a duckbill. <laughs> That's it. That's the only thing. Uh, but no, I really liked the Mariner thing. I think this was sort of, I've been calling it her um, her Christmas Carol episode, where like, she, mm. he, like here's what she could have been. She didn't have to sort of self-destruct herself into an ensign. Mm. And then I think faced with the reality that he could have had an interesting life she then doubles down on being terrible as i think sort of a coping mechanism it's like no i want to be here i like being terrible um so yeah i, I really like the mariner arc this week 
I feel like when we talked to the past, Chris, you bring up, you're like, they have to show us where she came from or what her sort of tragic backstory is. And I think this was the first step toward that. And my conspiracy theory, knowing nothing, is that that's going to be what episode 10 is, is we'll finally get maybe the whole episode or at least a scene on that. And this felt like a step in that direction, too. Yeah. I that that's really sort of well first of all it is kind of a, a Riker throwback to have a character who is capable has the opportunity to move up but says no 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 I I want to stay right where I am but says, now, no my contract says I have to be yeah, on right, this show right. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously it didn't make out Riker to yeah, be a screw yeah. up in any sort of way uh, but it did make me think of that when we played that out with uh, Mariner just saying no like I I want to stay here I want to figure myself out I want to figure out what it is that that I actually want. Um, and I, I thought we were going to get here anyway with her being self-destructive for a reason. And we'll, we'll find out what that is, I hope. But I, I think that shows some of the intelligence behind the show, not just let's do a bunch of Star Trek jokes. Let's mm-hmm. actually have characters who have growth, who are going to get to point B and beyond for justified reasons, you know? And her friend's name is Amina Ramsey. Do we think that's a reference to Cyrus Ramsey, who's a Trek character who suffered a transporter accident? And the the Whoa. trope that we're embracing here, right, is tra- this is transporter accidents. So I'm not sure if that was intentional, but I think it's too smart to not be intentional. Yeah. It, it was hard to think about anything in this show as not being intentional. Mm-hmm. Because it, like so much effort goes into, okay, these scripts, it's not going to change because you, you don't have, you know, improvised scenes in animation. Like what you write is what, what? you get from the no. animation. <laughs> so everything is intentional, we, we have to assume. Yeah. 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 What else, Chris? Anything uh, stand out for you? Um, I really like... Uh, this is just well, two little things. One, very glad to see the Oakland. Uh, my family has roots in the Bay Area. Grew up in Berkeley. So nice. always glad to see uh, Bay Area representation. And also, Tendy's line of, let the record show that we are here under duress. Or against our will, or whatever. <laughs> like, just, just the, whenever Tendy delivers terrible things with that nice, really super high energy, that always yes. gets, I'm just like, that's it. That's it. That's another line we need on a t-shirt. I know I say it every episode. Like that's we need that on a t-shirt at SCLP next year. Yeah. <laughs> right. Actually, Chris, you can catch us up with the t-shirt thing because you you have oh, yeah. subscribed to Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, so I've been buying them just sort of single, the ones I like. So I got uh back in week four, I got the glow in the dark one, which I tried to wear the other night, but it just wouldn't work with screens and cameras and but it's um right. O'Connor ascending and it glows in the dark. And nice. then uh, last week was Badgy, which I got. Um, that hasn't come yet, but it's just Badgy in like a holodeck grid. And gotcha, yeah. this week, I actually I really like. Oh, hang on. well, if I if I turn off my virtual background, this might work. Give me just a sec. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, all right. We're uh, getting there. Stand by. Stand by. Yes. That's about as much as I can do before we get a copyright claim. It was good. Okay. Oh, there we go. Okay. There. That's the shirt for this week. Oh, that's cool. It's Cube Dog. It's Cube Dog. Please excuse me while I purchase that immediately. (laughs) So I got that. Uh, Very excited about Cube Dog. Love Cube Dog forever. Uh, Yes. That is great. By the way, we did, uh, in the meantime, we got a message from Earl who said, Rick and Morty won for outstanding animated program. Thank you, Earl. Appreciate you. it should. Yes, yes. Thank you, Earl. With the Lemonhead reference, to me, I'm like, we have to get a pickle reference coming up, right? That's sort of the next logical Rick and Morty Easter egg. (laughs) Right. So good, so good. Well, uh, Chris, if you uh, if you've run the course of your uh, important comments tonight, uh, then we will say goodbye. But anything else you want to chime in, then we'll uh, we'll hang on for a minute here. Uh, no, yeah, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, ruminating on how to make cube dog work. I think I might have to cheat a little. I don't think I can actually make a cube go. As cube. You may not know this. Cubes are not designed to be wheels. Uh, what? It's not conducive to that, hmm. but I, ha- I have a couple of ideas how to get it spinning, even if it's not necessarily touching the ground. 
I think the, the thing that cracked me up so much was the sound that it made because like yes. every other form of the dog is some is fleshy and organic yet that thing just sounds like a steel cube just clonk clonk, clonk. <laughs> it, you know I it, amazing amazing the sound By the way, also the, mm-hmm. the the edit when it transforms from dog into cube is just like so smooth I just yes. kept back and going watching it every I'm like oh that that's a beautiful like keyframe just Yes. Chris, before you go, somebody in the chat, Paul, Paul Harveth, uh, one of our many Pauls who we love and adore, says, where are the shirts from? So uh, if you want to do your pitch. Hitmouse Stuff, which is the animation studio behind Lower Decks. Um, so they come out each week. There's a new shirt. So from Thursday to Thursday, you can buy the week's shirt. So Thursday when episode eight drops, the Cube Dog shirt goes away and a new shirt comes out and that'll continue through the rest of the season. Okay, so titmousestuff.com. Dot com, yes. Great, excellent. Or if you're so, in LA, just go by their building and bang on the windows until they answer. <laughs> right, They're in right, Burbank. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they just, they, they were right down the street from us. In, I was going to uh, say, they're quite, and, quite uh, close yeah, to HQ, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I expect all the Titmouse swag to show up one day. So, yeah, uh, guys, yeah. gals. Yeah, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, that, that's funny. We're, we're getting comments here just saying, just uh, just repurpose a BB-8, put a BB-8 in a cardboard box and let that thing roll <laughs> around, and that'll be your uh, cube dog. So uh, thank you. That's uh, And then Dominic uh, some, is saying, Alamorain, how dare you, Dominic? How, do- how oh, dare how you, Alamorain? Very dare. <laughs> The only bad episode of if you say that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Chris, thank you as always. A pleasure. Thank you for your comments tonight. And uh, we will see you soon, okay? All right. Sounds good. Cheers. Bye. Till next time. Bye. Hey, it's about time that we go to our, our little bit of business that we need to do each week. Of course, we love that business. But before we do, uh, there is time to call in. There is room to call in. So just click on that Zoom meeting link. You'll, uh, you'll see Earl. He will see you. He will patch you in. And of course, you can use the one tap from your smartphone or you can just call us at 669-900-6833 and put in that meeting code and the password. It's easy. I mean, you know, people do it all the time. Chris did it. Uh, uh, the vice admiral does it. Lou does it. And you can do it. I believe in you. Click that link. I mean, you'll be talking to us. We'll be talking about Trek stuff and lower decks. But before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, our friends who make teeny tiny spaceships. Teeny tiny spaceships! <laughs> the, and yes. the teeny tiny spaceships, canon names now, are, as you know, officially authorized by CBS Studios. And they are the official Star Trek Discovery Starship Collection, available only, only place in the world, from Ego Moss Hero Collector. We say it every week. We know them. We love them. We have them in our homes, on our desks, when we remember to bring them for setup. It is a very special collection featuring brand new ship concepts and designs from Star Trek Discovery. It's going to include a bunch from the new season that's coming just as soon as we're done with Lower Decks. And I got to admit, I'll be sad, but excited about the new designs. And each of them has gone through a ton of reference and been reproduced under the supervision of maybe related to me, Star Trek expert Ben Robinson, (laughs) for their accuracy and detail. By the end, I'm going to claim him as a relative. Oh, do it. You have squatters right sir yeah something. there you go <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah the, these ships i mean the the first thing that you'll notice uh because well you'll probably see the baran on screen sooner mm-hmm. or later there it is when I, I see it on the delay uh the baran it is bigger than the other ships that they make everything in the discovery line is just over nine inches from the tip of the saucer to the tip of the nacelle baran of course has four nacelles that is two better than the usual two that you would get on a ship <laughs> all the ships in this collection are in that larger scale they're made of die cast metal and abs they are sturdy they are heavy and they are hand painted with reference back to the original cg models from the production each ship comes with a display base don't break it Plus, a collector's <laughs> magazine featuring behind-the-scenes info, original design sketches, and a breakdown of the technology used on board. You get the in-universe info, too, which is so cool. 
John, you're dragging me for breaking my stands. You I can am. start <laughs> your collection and take better care of it than I do with the Cardenas class, USS Baron. We've talked about it, how amazing it is. You remember it. She got exploded by Captain Lorca and it oh, is available. Lorca. He's such an evil, handsome, handsome man. He is. It is available to <laughs> subscribers through this special Ding! Special Mission Log Live offer for only $9.95, which is less than a $10 bill that you can hold in your hand. And it comes to you with free shipping. All you have to do is go to herocollector.com slash mission log, sign up, use the code mission. Really easy. Use that at checkout. It will be right to you. And they've got a bunch of other incredible models, including the Discovery, which it's pretty much the law that you have to get, the Kerala, and the reimagined Klingon Birds of Prey. And I say it every week. The Klingon Bird of Prey is so cool. Get your hands on it. And after that, they're going to ship monthly at a 20% discount off of the standard retail price. Also with free shipping, which is cheaper than you can get it pretty much anywhere else in the galaxy. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. Now, subscribers are entitled to free gifts worth over $100. Now, you could cancel your subscription at any time, but why would you when you get those free gifts worth over 100 bucks coming your way? Nice. For full details, go to herocollector.com slash mission log. Remember, this Baran offer is only for mission log viewers. You will only see that deal when you type in Baran. Uh, I'm sorry, when you type in mission, <laughs> <laughs> mission at checkout. That's how you see it otherwise you see the shinjo which is great but if you want the baran you need to type in mission to get that uh fans who would like to purchase their favorite ships individually you could do that online or at shop.eaglemoss.com or at your local comic book shop for about 54.95 each um thank you as always the eagle moss uh two things real quick Ashley, uh, just to show off, um, these are a couple of uh, smaller ships that I have in my personal collection. Have not taken these out of the box yet. But that just shows, you know, they're about like half the size mm-hmm. of the Baran. They're half the size of the uh, the Discovery collection. And the other fun thing here, Eagle Moss is really part of the family, and uh, I love that our listeners love the teeny tiny spaceships. So <laughs> Evelyn even says when we started the ad, "Teeny tiny spaceships!" Exclamation point. And um, uh, Chris Riker says, if Eagle Moss makes the runabout Rubicon in one little ship, would it be microscopic? So here's the interesting thing. They have made runabouts before. They tend to be scaled to the same, to their standard size. So like they're the same size as the rest of your ships. So if you're someone like me, you get the old micro machines uh, runabouts because they're closer to scale. Right, right, right. <laughs> but they do make exactly. them and they're incredible because everything Eagle Moss makes is incredible, which is why to be a Trek fan, you pretty much have to own at least one. It's the law. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So thank you again to Eagle Moss and, and thank you to all of you who support Eagle Moss for supporting us because they are awesome. Um, not only are they cool to us, but I just, I love seeing what they come out with and I love buying their stuff because it's great. They also um, fit really nicely at a Christmas stocking if anyone is starting their shopping mm, early. Mm, you're good. You're good. You start <laughs> way earlier than I do. I do. Uh, <laughs> I need to learn from you. Uh, so, hey, we do have a caller standing by who we'll get to very, very soon. Again, you can click on that Zoom meeting link you can click on the one tap from your smartphone or you can call us 669-900-6833 and type in the meeting code and the password uh promise we will get to that caller in just a second but a couple of things i wanted to bring up from this episode to uh to throw out to you to to our listeners okay so we like to mention the actors and voices when we can, when it's something really unique i mean uh, uh we we've seen some unique guest stars this week all right Someone needs to help me here. And I, I'm calling on our listeners. I'm calling on Titmouse, whoever is listening from Titmouse, to correct this on IMDb. Fix this, make it right. Okay. We have we have some amazing characters and guest stars and mm-hmm. guest characters, right? Now, the half young, half old ensign, we don't get a character name. But what an amazing performance, whoever did that voice. We don't know who did the voice I don't because we don't have a character name. So I don't know who that is. But if you go to IMDb, you see that uh, uh, one of the uh, crew members, it, 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 it's the uh, Rigelian, mm-hmm. is listed as Maurice LaMarche, who yeah. is like 
one of the greatest voiceover actors ever. Another I, nice Canadian joining the Trek canon. Uh, another nice Canadian, <laughs> yes. And he is awesome at everything. He does, uh, first of all, he does the world's greatest uh, Orson Welles impression, which yes. is not an easy impression to do. He does a great William Shatner. Um, the man can do no wrong. He's, as he's far brain as from Pinky and the Brain. He's brain from Pinky and the Brain, which is basically Orson Welles. It is. He yeah, does no, yeah. portray Orson Welles in the Ed Wood movie, or he does the voice for Orson he does Welles the voice. in Ed Wood as well. Yes. And, yes. and several many other places, but that's, I think, maybe the most high profile his Orson Welles has been. Yes, yes. So I, I heard, you know, like hearing this incredible performance out of the half-old, half-young Ensign, I thought... When I saw Maurice LaMarche's name, I thought that's the kind of thing that he would do because you have to have somebody that skilled to mm-hmm. do it. But then according to IMDb, that's not him. So somebody fix this. Somebody correct this. And Kevin Maurice- Michael Richardson is also credited on IMDb, but not but not, not given a character name. And he's another voice actor who you've heard in a hundred million things. And you're just like... Come on. Yeah. I understand IMDb is at the whims of production and at the whims of a lot of assistants who have a lot of other things to do, but we want to give credit where credit is due. Like the, yeah. the, the Fletcher from the last episode, he was credited this week, but not last week when we were taking notes. His name is okay, Tim Robinson, okay. also not related to me. <laughs> but uh, I don't believe you. A gentleman with an incredible body of work. So hats yeah. off to him for last week's performance. <laughs> See, there you go. And I don't even know if we know who did the voice of the Adosian because again, he doesn't have a name. Uh, I don't know. I did catch the name of uh, Amina Ramsey, who is her friend, uh, uh, Meredith's friend from the Academy. I got that one down. Uh, And I'm not going to pretend that I can uh, pronounce her name accurately because I have an Anglophone who is uh, more familiar with Anglophone names. So I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to give my best impression or my best guess with respect that it is talks Olagundoye. If somebody knows differently, please uh, correct me. Uh, And the dog is nice Canadian Jennifer Hale. So yes, I wanted to yes. shout her out. She's another incredible voice actor. She's like uh, 420 credits. Like she is every show that you like that's animated. She has been on and I was terrified when she spoke. So I, I have to say that she did an excellent job. Excellent. Oh, and, and by the way, so uh, a couple of people commenting here. Uh, Alan says Ramsey herself is talks from the new DuckTales, another fantastic show. Oh, so um, good. Uh, Tate says DuckTales rocks. Uh, Evelyn says I've been watching DuckTales over the last few <laughs> days. It is a really good show. So coming soon, the Mission Log DuckTales uh, show, you know, it seems like we're, we're honor bound to do that. <laughs> So, uh, truly, what a dream that would be, though. <laughs> wait, Carlos says David Tennant is brilliant as Scrooge McDuck? Oh, yeah, he's, the new, he's the new Scrooge. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. Okay, now Doing his, I'm... Doing his, his actual Scottish accent. Wow, you had my interest. Now you have my attention. <laughs> you okay. think you got Disney Plus for Mandalorian. You actually got it for DuckTales. For the new <laughs> DuckTales. Holy crap. I can't believe it. Okay. I, and then Evelyn also says, yeah, I recognize Maurice. So good. And yes, Maurice LaMarche, I just, he, he is one of my heroes. He's so, a titan. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, hey, still time to call in. Uh, caller, we are going to get to you in just a second. Uh, but yeah, you can click on that Zoom meeting link or you can give us a call 669-900-6833. Standing by has been John, John Arminio. By the way, longtime Mission Log listener, longtime Mission Log commenter with a lot of great comments. And we've, uh, we've slipped into some shows here and there. So, John, Pleasure to see you. Pleasure to hear from you. Thanks for calling tonight. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. And yeah, I've been listening since you guys have uh, been on the original series. So it's yeah, good it really to actually talk we, to you face to face. Since we uh, started. So to speak. Yeah. Look, collectively Excellent. with our backgrounds, we have red, white, and blue. So we're feeling we, very patriotic to a handful of different countries. <laughs> or, or, or blue, blanc, rouge, if you're Wait, looking at saw? it in your mind. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, John, what is on your mind tonight? Well, um, I'm just so delighted at how wrong I was about this show Hmm. because I'm, I know this is an unpopular opinion, especially among sci-fi nerds, but I just really uh, don't like Rick and Morty. 
That's okay. Um, I, I like it. Just seems so like edge lordy to me. Just trying to be like <laughs> cynical, like on top of cynical, on top of cynical, and just so uninteresting in how, like it, in un, it's so predictable in how cynical it can be over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't really into like a Star Trek version of that or like a PG version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I saw Lower Decks and. It made me laugh, and I don't know if every sh- uh, subsequent show hasn't gotten. It, it's not like each episode is better than the last, but I find myself loving the show more and more after each episode, and especially this one. Just like the creativity of the gags really uh, like got to me. Just like the absurdity of the eyeballs with the bat wings flying <laughs> out of the dog I love head. It. Like, it. so it wasn't enough for the dog's maw to open up <laughs> so you could see down into its torso <laughs> and see these cartoon bats flying up. Or even, yeah. or even you know, the Division 14, my initial thought was like, okay, it's like Section 41 or uh-huh. uh, Section 37. Uh, um, it's going to be an evil science version of that. But then it turns out, oh, no, it actually is uh, a peaceful farm that they send all these like right. sci- science experiments too. So it keeps finding ways to define my expectations. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Tony Newsom. She's a great comedian. I think she does a great job of giving uh, Mariner like characterization because um, she could have been a really one note character that I was kind of afraid going in, but she really mm-hmm. gives that character some depth. So you can see her self-sabotaging. And so then it's so satisfying seen her really step up to the plate when she can because she has such ability and so it's kind of triumphant when you see her be a badass and you know punch the bad guys in the face yeah i love the scene where she is like holding the child giving orders having people be rescued i was like give me i mean i'm sure this is what we're building but i'm like give me that show i would make her the captain i'm here for it (laughs) i i think you know i i've made no secret on our show about the things that don't work for me or or haven't worked for me in uh, Lower Decks. But at the same time, overall, I I think what I come away from it with is the idea that these creators, particularly Mike McMahon, because he comes from uh, a place of deep love of next gen. Uh, John, I don't know if you ever saw his uh, season eight TNG Twitter handle, and then he wrote a book based on that, which is like his projection of season eight of next gen. And it is hilarious. So um, I would recommend that. Uh, But it, it seems to me that like, they must have sort of gotten together collectively as writer producers and said, okay, these are the things that we love about Star Trek. These are the things that we love about next gen in particular and that era. But what if, and, mm-hmm. and that that's where I think the show is really strong. It is just where you can take, you can take kind of the tropes that are, a lot of fun and interesting to pursue or the tropes are a little weird and dorky and make no sense whatsoever. Like, you know, so many episodes in next gen, we see the crew relaxing with like, you know, there's Riker and his Greek robed lute playing. Uh, I'm not uh, mad about that though. No, no, but, but it's like, you watch that and you go like, really? That's okay. This is how be it. I used to make fun of it on mission log to say like, the the crew of the Enterprise D would not know a party if it slapped them in the face. <laughs> like it, they just, this is how they entertain themselves. So what I love on a show like the Lower Decks and is when you see the senior staff entertaining themselves and it's the, like the bad, you know, musical performance, the bad comedy. And it's just like, yeah, somebody was watching next gen and going, these people are squares, <laughs> but <laughs> but let's let's sort of explore that a bit, you know. So stuff like that really works for me. And also, and, the whole episode turns on it's a it's a transporter accident. Yes, which we've seen yeah. in every series eight hundred times. Uh, maybe the scariest version being in the first season of Enterprise, where the transporters aren't quite working yet, the way we understand them, and 
I think finding the comedy in the fact that the sound effect is still going and that that's the most annoying thing. So once we take care of that, it doesn't really matter that you're phasing in and out. I think that is very, very clever. And I want to say that, John, I commend you for being honest about your opinions and like your reticence coming in because that's like a truly Star Trek attitude to be like, I don't know about this. I'm not sure if this is going to work out. And then to be like, oh no, I do see the joy in this after all. So, Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, the show even manages to do like over eager teens really well, or yeah, not not necessarily teens, right. but like but Tendy and Rutherford, you know, if played poorly, they could be so aggravating. But yeah. they're so funny and so adorable, and you enjoy seeing them together. And if they get into a relationship, I would love it. If they if they keep <laughs> the well, they want. would. <laughs> They're so just obsessed, Ashley. I, love I it. am. I am. <laughs> I wrote fan fiction when I was a teenager. Can you tell? <laughs> and I love the juxtaposition of these cute, adorable characters and their very purely innocent relationship with, like, a John Carpenter, the Thing monster, and <laughs> yes. and that yes. that cosmic horror coming from a place of pure innocence. Like that dichotomy, I think, is really interesting and a real like font of humor, and it's just such a joy to watch. How did you feel about Tendi's reaction to an actual dog? Uh, I thought it was perfect because yeah, I love how she's so nonplussed about the flying, super intelligent canine, and yes. just like, oh, uh, a real dog? Who cares? That's weird. I love that they Are gave you... her basically like a Lucy reaction. You know, like Snoopy licks Lucy, and she goes, mm. "Ew, germs! I'm infected! Yeah. I need iodine!" And she's like, Ew, "This is gross! This dog is kissing me!" Right. Can, can we go back to the transporter thing for just a second? Yeah. Because the, the thing that cracked me up was the idea that that sound, that sound effect is something that is integral to the thing that is being transported. <laughs> Always and forever. Because, you know, you hear it on the show and you just go like, okay, A, it is a sound effect because mm-hmm. we're watching a show that has to have uh, an effect to complement the effect. I get that. In universe, you kind of go like, okay, well, it, it's machinery doing something. It, it's Scotty's console making a noise because there's energy happening, mm-hmm. doing something around them. But now, now we have, we, and I hate the word, so to put it in quotes, we have canonized yeah. the idea that that sound goes with that person. Like they're hearing that and everybody <laughs> around them is hearing that. So when Kirk is carrying on a conversation with Savick as they're beaming over to a regular <laughs> space station. Like they're hearing that and he's yelling over it. Right? It know? makes every time they're speaking, when they're beaming in or out, you're like, there's no way, there's no way that yeah. actually happens. Like, what? What? It's this. No, it's the transporter. It's, it's not, it's not you. It's this. I it's also this. going to give a whole new, I think context every time. Cause we all know the person where that's their text alert. So right. every time you hear that now, I think it's going to have a different meaning to because it's either that or it's um, it's the communicator piece. Right, right, right. <laughs> yes, yes. That's oh, that's funny. Okay, yeah. Of course, John Cooley points out, as we all know as Star Trek fans, that's the sound of your death and your clone's birth. Yes, <laughs> yes. Which is, I don't like to think about that because sometimes I run down that rabbit hole and I find it distressing. But you know it's true. You know it's true. Yeah. Sometimes literally because we had Thomas Riker. He was there for a bit. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, shout out to John, our caller, because Narda says it is a true Trekkie who will admit that they were wrong about a new series. Well said, John. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate that. Nice because, yeah, I mean, even with Boimler, I was afraid that every episode was going to be him being a dorky idiot mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. Mariner one-upping him and that'd be the dynamic for the whole show. And we had that for like an episode and a half before their relationship got deeper and deeper and we can see why they're such great friends and they function so well as a comedic duo. Yeah, And I mean, we even, even the transporter gag is a great character moment for Boimler because he's more concerned about looking cool in front of the new captain than the fact that he might at any point dissolve into nothingness. So <laughs> I was going to I was going to say too that I thought this was maybe Boimler's best episode in terms of like character growth and development mm-hmm. and we got to see him even through that like 
anxiety of how he's presenting himself. He's fairly capable with the fact that he's just dealing with the fact that this might be his life now. <laughs> and he's just going to push yeah. on through. <laughs> yes. But I, I think you're right. You know, in a, in a lesser developed show, we would have gotten that, you know, I assume that they wrote a show Bible for this the way you would any show and particularly Star Trek. You need to get people on the same page about who the characters are, what they look like, what they sound like, how they react to things. In a lesser developed show, you just said like, well, this character is funny because he does this or she mm-hmm. does this. And, and it would have been that simple and two-dimensional but very clearly they're looking at this through the lens of star trek which is what is their function how do they interact and where do they go you know where do they actually end up through this journey so i think I, even I love that they're doing that even the simple move of in the teaser when we see rutherford working on the transport and the the amount of efficiency he's trying to squeeze out of this is nothing the fact that boimler is immediately game to help him he has no issue being the guinea pig because he trusts the tech and he trusts rutherford's capabilities like that's going all the way back to when rutherford was like maybe i'll switch divisions like that's the idea of what being starfleet is like your buddy needs someone to be the guinea pig in the transporter, you're like, absolutely, I'm here. I've got nothing else to do. I'll step into this transporter for you. Like, that was really, it's funny, of course, but it's also really powerful when you sort of think of it on that secondary level. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, by the way, uh, a couple of things that I want to do here as we get to our final minutes of the show. And John, you're going to stick around for this. You're going to hang out for this. This is very important. You've been Uh, drafted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh, So, first of all, I, I have to point out that my favorite two words, my favorite phrase in this show was uh, clinically obscene. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, is just, that is one of my favorite word combinations now. I, I'll put it up there in like my top 10 along with uh, medically inadvisable. Uh, so, for example, like if I were to say, you know, well, uh, how many uh, cocktails do we have after the show tonight? I don't know. It, it might be medically inadvisable. I don't well, you know. We'll see. But clinically obscene, I just think is a great phrase. So, well, your, your cocktails could lead to clinically obscene behavior. They could. They could. They, they may have on many occasions before. Um, but yeah, I like wordplay is a strength of this show and that's why you know when i prep stuff for mission log anyway i i'll watch it through but i definitely watch through with subtitles as well because i want to make sure that i'm catching details catching names but catching wordplay like this and it it goes by fast so you got to grab stuff like that um any other before we get to our wrap up here and and john recruiting you any other kind of uh final thoughts or or shout outs or references or things that you love uh boy me boy me up Boy, I'm, down, boy. I'm down for that. Hundred. That should be the new phrase for. I. I think this will end in an accident. Boy, me mm. up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Good. John. John. Uh, I'm. I'm a defender of Encounter at Farpoint. I think that's oh. a great episode. So I love the the space jellyfish reference in, in this episode. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was nice. All right. So John, the reason I asked you to stick around is because, as you well know. Mission Log is predicated on the idea of exploring morals, meanings, messages. Here we are with this silly, fun cartoon show, but very Star Trek. Definitely cut from a Star Trek cloth. So I ask you, as I ask Ashley, uh, we don't really formally do this on the live show, but morals, meanings, messages. What do you think, if not this episode specifically, but you can talk about this episode specifically, morals, meanings, messages of Lower Decks. What are they aiming at? What's the heart, the philosophy of the show? Um, I think really to trust in your friends and that they have your best interests at heart because I think uh, characters like Boimler can really get in their own way when they stop trusting in characters like Mariner, when they really always have each other's backs and, you know, Mariner can do the same when she, you know, self sabotages herself. And, you know, when she encounters, you know, her old friend from the Academy, she's pretending to be something she's not because she feels like she has to play this role of the, like the rascally rebel, but she really has what it takes to be a competent officer. And when she, accepts that truth about herself um everyone um benefits from it from like innocent bystanders to herself and her crewmates very nicely said uh ashley anything to to add to that 
this episode to me is rife with the adage of don't judge a book by its cover from everything from Ramsey and Mariner's relationship, like John was unpacking, to the freaks of it all, to the doctor who is heading it up, like at every, to Tendi's relationship with the dog. They think their relationship with this person or this character is going to play out a certain way and it doesn't. And in the end, they're all actually a lot better for it. And if I may stay on my soapbox for a minute, uh, I think it's also, even though this was animated like a year ago, uh, wear your mask because the first time we meet the doctor, he is wearing a face mask. And Uh, I was like, wow, this is, I know this wasn't intended, but it felt very powerful to me actually to see that rendered on screen. So John, take us out. What do you think is your moral? Uh, You know, I am so glad. Look, the three of us, we are simpatico. I love this feeling because two of my notes that I'd written down, one of them was, don't judge a book by its cover, even if it has an (laughs) evil laugh. It's okay. And the other one was cooperate, work together, trust. Perfect. All about that trust. It's beautiful. I get, John, I guess we have to find a third seat on the show because uh, <laughs> you, you nailed it, man. Please call back. It was a pleasure to, uh, to have you on tonight. Thank you. Uh, again, pleasure is all mine. Thank of, you. Uh, John, it was nice to uh, officially meet you as a longtime listener. Yeah. I am familiar with your comments. <laughs> oh, well, so sweet. Thank you very much. <laughs> Look at that. Well, uh, thank you both. And thank you to everybody who listened tonight. Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by the indefatigable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but also Women at Warp, Priority One, The Trek Files, your daily Star Trek news, and Shabam! Shabam! Well done. <laughs> I finally figured it out. <laughs> if you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Thank you again to everybody who joined us live or later. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Wear a mask like that Adosian, you know, because he was up. We look forward to talking with you next week. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network